Let's be nerds. I'm your host, Stephen J, and today I am joined by Gordon Bryant and Lizette Ayala. How are you wonderful folks doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good, Steve. How are you? Can't complain, can't complain. I'm doing good too. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh pretty excited that our this is I guess technically our first follow-up episode to a uh, topic we've already covered because this today is conspiracy theories part two so as per usual everyone brought a conspiracy theory to the table for us to go over and discuss and see where we stand and see if we can make each other a believer in our theory so with that being said i'm going to turn it over to you Lizette, to kick us off with the first theory okay so my theory is um, kind of one of my favorites. It's a little hard to do some research on, though, so I don't have too much on it today. Cryptozoology. So the definition of this, it's considered a pseudo, pseudoscience. Sorry, that's one of those words I can't say. Um, <laughs> and it's a little bit of a subculture as well. It's focused around proving the existence of cryptids such as Bigfoot the Loch Ness Monster, El Chupacabra, all those types of creatures. So part of the problem and why this isn't considered a branch of mainstream science is that it doesn't follow the quote-unquote proper scientific methods for discovering um, new species. Because of that, it is not considered a branch of zoology or folklore studies. It's kind of its own thing. Um, it tends to be based around a lot of urban legends and hearsay. So when I was trying to do like official research and not just look up stories on Reddit, it, it's hard to find stuff. <laughs> um, so most people don't take this research and evidence done by this group seriously because a lot of times, again, it doesn't have that grounds in the proper research methods. Um, sometimes the stories are proved to be a hoax, but I still find it really fascinating how many people share similar experiences when it comes to these types of things. So just doing like a real quick search, I found two variations of cryptids that I'm seeing appear in multiple areas of the world. So these two are kind of your basic lake slash sea monster, like the Loch Ness Monster. Mm -hmm. There are variations of this in areas like Ireland, the United States, the Republic of Congo, and several more. So that's a really widespread area to have these creatures appearing or people seeing things that appear so similar and have such similar traits. Mm -hmm. So it really makes you wonder, especially because some of these stories are spread out over uh, years and years where 
there really shouldn't have been any um, hearing from those other areas. Like there shouldn't have been anybody who visited, say, <coughs> somewhere in Africa from Ireland and said, oh, we have the Loch Ness Monster. And then the people in the Congo said, well, we like that idea. Like you, you wouldn't have had that too much from what, what I was finding. Uh, as far You're, as like the story being passed along right not not from what i can tell anyway um the other one that tends to be really common is the bigfoot style cryptid so that's like bigfoot yetis that sort of thing very mm-hmm. that have been found in australia the himalayas brazil and north america again among others so the question that this raises to me is the fact that you can find these similar legends developed across the gro- across the globe. Does that mean that some of these things are actually out there? Maybe not necessarily the way that our legends portray them, but could it be some kind of species that we haven't found yet? Mm. So. Yeah, so for me personally, I have not had any sightings of cryptids, but I do know someone who has, and Stephen, you know her as well. Yes, I love her very, very much. So this is um, someone whose story that <coughs> I, I do really trust. I'm going to explain why I trust her story, and then I'll tell you guys the story. So this is my grandmother. She has been telling this story for over 50 years, and it has not changed whenever she tells it, which is a big deal when you consider the fact that half the time she cannot remember her own grandchildren's names. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that every time she tells this story, um, she doesn't add any detail. She doesn't leave any out like she tells it spot on every time. So that that really makes me think that she she saw this. What it what it is is up to interpretation. So let me get to her story. So um, I don't know for sure what year this was. I know it was before she married my grandfather. She was out in the in or around the Colorado area. Mm-hmm. She was out there for work, and her and two of her friends were invited to go for a drive with a guy that they had met at a bar. So he had told them that there were aliens up in the mountains and he was supposed to be taking the girls to go see them. Now, they knew that there were no aliens. They didn't believe in aliens, but they figured, you know, we're, we're just going to go for a ride and have fun. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother was in the passenger seat and her friends were in the back. As they were driving up the mountain, the guy started telling them stories about yetis in the mountains. And my grandmother didn't believe in anything like that so she's just kind of listening like yeah okay whatever um so as they went around a bend in the road she saw something out of the corner of her eye and she turned now this next part is a direct quote from her telling the story she said i swear i saw a yeti he was on his knees looking at us so she tried to scream, but she was so freaked out. She couldn't really make any noise. She was just kind of pointing and, like, gasping. She mm-hmm. finally managed to get the driver's attention. And when he turned, he, like, he turned and looked where she was pointing, and then he stepped on the gas. So she's convinced that he also saw the same thing that she did. She's mm-hmm. like, why else would he have sped up? Now, from what I understand, they didn't talk about it afterwards. 
that's kind of where she tends to stop her story. But yeah. like I said, for over 50 years, if you ask her, she will tell you that story almost word for word, the exact same every single time. Hmm. So what do you guys think? I, I, uh, I this this has always been a tough one for me. Gordon, you go first. What do you think about <laughs> Oh, I, 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 I like the idea that these things exist because it would it'd be interesting if they really do. But for as someone who spends way too much time on the internet, I come across way too many graphs so to speak, and I came across one a while back, whether it's real or not, I don't care, it made me laugh, so I'll share it with you guys, it's, uh, it's the, I picture the United States, and it shows all the, it maps all the sightings of Bigfoot on the United States, then directly below that, it maps where the most fursuits are sold in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I mean, it's real or not, I don't know. All I know is that correlation is not always causation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can definitely believe that because I've read stories about people who've gone into, like, the fabric store and been like, I need your fake fur. And the people are like, why what are you what are you doing because they're buying like yards and yards of it and they're like i'm going skiing and i need to make a yeti costume (laughs) so i mean like i definitely think that there is some for sure some people who are just doing stuff to freak other people out because i mean let's be honest i would do that like hands down without a doubt i would love to do that um (laughs) but my I guess more so my question for you guys would be, yes, in modern day sightings, 100%, I believe that a lot of them with certain stuff like this is people trying to mess with other people. But when you go back further, talking more about sightings before we had the internet before, and I mean, there was still, I'm sure there were still people messing with other people back then because that's such a, an entertaining thing to do. Um, But back, uh, I can't even think of the time frame that I want to reference right now. These aren't just modern sightings. So would you guys consider possibly that, well, yes, some of these species, if they did exist at one point, may have died out by now. Could you possibly see a possibility of them having existed 100 years ago, 200 years ago? Are you still? I do. And mostly because recently, as much as it freaks me out, I've been reading a lot about how we have that innate feeling of when someone's watching us. Oh, yeah. And not having that, like, and not trusting what's watching us. Yes. And that means that at some point in our line, now, you have to remember that we only have the last 6,000 years of human history recorded, give or take. That's only that's about the start of when humans were starting to record what they were doing. So, about scientists think roughly 97% of all human history is lost. So, 
you have to think if we evolved the innate ability to not trust something human looking looking at us then there must have been something that looked human that was a direct cause of harm towards us like a skinwalker or stuff like that yeah that next time we do conspiracy theories that's actually going to be one of my topics skinwalker thing like i i don't i've tried to listen to podcasts and watch videos on it but like i don't quite get it that, that so so that was originally going to be my topic for the day but i didn't have enough time to put the proper research into it because because that is rooted in a lot of native american culture and stuff i wanted to make sure that i did the proper research and had all the information right so i will have that for you guys next time i feel like maybe we should just do a whole episode on skinwalkers Hey, if we do that, invite Drew because he's the one who got me into it. He loves that stuff. Because I would really like somebody to actually sit me down and like truly explain it to me properly. Because I just can't follow along when I'm listening to like other people or whatever. Yeah, he um he's had me listen to podcasts and stuff about it, and like I like listening to it. I find it fascinating, but I can only handle about thirty to forty five minutes of it before I just get like such bad chills up and down my spine that I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't do it. I need a break. Yeah. Yep. And he always teases me. He's like, cause I'm like, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. And he's like, well, he's like, I'll be here. I'll protect you. I'm like, that's not the problem. Like it could, you could be the problem. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, it is really though. Like it, it is fascinating to me. Like the fact that like you were saying, Gordon, I I've, done some reading up on that as well how we have that natural fear of something that looks very close to being human but isn't quite yeah, like they're scary mm-hmm. you'd have to think what is this real Gordon, you you just cut out a bunch there, bud. Yeah. Oh my bad. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Now you're good. Yeah. Okay. Um, what did you say? I just said, if something like that does exist, that or used to exist, that's incredibly scary because there's no saying if it's still out there or not. Yeah. Now, another theory that I read recently about, like, to do with that feeling, and I found this one kind of interesting. I don't know how much I believe it, but um, one of the thoughts was, let me see if I can remember this properly. It was something along the lines of how they find fossils of those other... uh, It's not quite human, like the other evolutionary steps between like like early man type th- um like cave sorry, kind of like where the features weren't exactly the same as ours okay so sorry i'm not doing a great job of explaining this one but the the theory was something along the lines of what if that fear of something that looks like us but isn't quite right was directed towards a, that other humanoid variant and 
we're actually like our line was actually the one who <coughs> killed out the others like if there was some violence against like you said like that caveman um variation it, it was something along that line i've got to look and see if i can find that one again because that one was really interesting to me i hadn't i hadn't heard of something where it was like yes we have this fear but what if we're actually the ones who hunted the others to extinction not the other way like it wasn't something hunting us uh, does that make sure. sense yeah yeah okay hmm you know, like I said, this one's always tough for me because, like, I want to believe in this so bad, but I just, I don't know. I, with all the technology and, like, I, like that's the thing that kills me. It's like anytime there's, like, any sightings or anything, it's like we have all this great, like, technology at the palm of our hands, like our phones and whatever. And no matter what, like somebody like takes a p- picture or a video and it looks like they might as well have recorded it like off with a toaster. I, I just don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I definitely <sighs> think like the photographs and the videos and stuff when people are like, Oh my God, I got a Bigfoot sighting. I, I do think that the stuff like that is at least like 90, if not a hundred percent of the time, that stuff is a hoax. The stuff that I question and am more likely, I feel more inclined to believe are those people who go out and they're out hiking or they're out somewhere and they're not able to get a photo because they're doing like a break from technology or their phone died or something. And then they see something because yeah. they're out in a secluded area that's more those are more of the ones that i'm like okay i can i can get behind that a lot more yeah i guess i, I <laughs> that, that one it's like if it, it, i would have to do more research on it but you make a compelling case i will give you that <laughs> i also under I understand the skepticism because, like I said, I, I go back and forth on it myself sometimes. So I, I get it. It is a hard one to make up your mind on. I, I want to say it was my dad and my uncle. We have a, a hunting camp up north. And I want to say it was the two of them and maybe some friends of theirs. They had a weird situation where they were. I want to say that they were because there's the water is comes off of a natural spring up there. And I want to say it was like they forgot to get water or they were out and about and doing something. And they were uh, coming back to camp or going. Yeah, they were on their way back to camp and it got dark. And if, uh, somehow they ended up in a situation where the truck was parked and like rocks were getting thrown through the woods and hitting the bed of the truck. And like, they were in a position where there wouldn't have been people around or Mm -hmm. it would have, it would have been like, if there were people, it would have been very easy for them with like a spotlight or what have you to see where the rocks were coming from. Okay. Like they couldn't, they never actually got any human contact they just got freaked out and got the H out of Dodge. Yeah. So I'll have to ask him about that story and get him to retell it to me. And then maybe next time I'll 
I'll tell you because I feel like it, he was kind of alluding without actually saying that uh-huh. <laughs> that he thinks it was something not human. Yeah, but I have to get that story in full and retell it because there. That's another thing. It's like when a people like your your grandma and him are telling these stories. I'm more inclined to believe them because they have they're nothing a little to gain. bit. Yeah, they're a little bit more not necessarily no nonsense, but like like you like you said, I, I would be very much inclined to believe a story that your dad told me because like you said, he they have nothing to gain from they're not attention seeking with it. Like they're no. being very sincere. They're just like, Hey, this is something I experienced. It freaked me out. I wanna share it, but like they're not plastering it all over the news or all over the internet either. They're just like, Hey, I'll t- I'll tell it to you guys. Yeah, exactly. And it's like that I'm more inclined to believe. And the fact that, you know, he acknowledges, well, you know, it could have been anything, but like, it's weird. Like, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. I'm more, like you said, I'm more inclined to believe people that present it that way. Yes. Me too. All right. Well, if everyone's good on cryptid, cryptology, wait, is it crypt? Cryptozoology, yeah, and just cryptids in general. Whatever, okay. whatever term you would like to use. Cryptocurrency zoology. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, for my conspiracy theory, it was only. It took me a while to decide, but then I realized I'm like, no, I, <clears throat> this is this is the one that I need to hit next. So Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. Let's just get that out there i don't even know if i can even consider this a conspiracy theory anymore because so it's become so mainstream and so common for people to like make this joke i just hope that people realize that like it's not just a funny meme like this there's so much evidence that there is a cover-up there is a scandal here and i don't know so do you guys are you guys familiar with the Jeffrey Epstein story, or do I need to give a little summary? On can that? you can you give a little summary? Because like I've got bits and pieces, but not enough to be able to really comment on it. I could go for a summary as well, but I ha- this sounds like it's going to feed right into uh, my topic as well, Steve. So excellent. Hopefully, yours is the Clintons are murderers. Anyway, don't um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, say that. We're all going to die tomorrow. I mean, hey, they've dropped plenty of d- dumbbells on people's heads while they're at the gym. Luckily, I don't oh, go to the gym. Dear. Okay, anyway. Like, they didn't hang himself. So let's, let's talk a little bit about this piece of shit. So um, the best way I can describe him is a grifter. He's the type of person that really, like, lied his way through all of his life. If you watch the documentaries about him, like he at one point he lied about finishing school to get a job on Wall Street. Um, he was essentially like a with the if you've ever heard the term a social climber, like he would befriend people just for what you know the kids today call clout. He was the original homie hopper. He went from friend to friend as long as they could benefit him, and he kind of raised himself up through New York society in this way. Um, He has, you know, there's photographs of him with so many people uh, from Donald Trump to Bill Gates to pretty much everyone. Um, He befriended this woman, Ghislaine Maxwell, and she is still um, 
she's still alive and well in a gel cell and has not unalived herself yet. Um, Ghislaine, essentially what she, her part in this was, is as Jeffrey Epstein was finally able to make his money, he bought a private island called Little St. James. It's um, in the Virgin Islands. And he had a plane that was called the Lolita Express. And essentially what would happen is, I believe, between his New York apartment, townhouse, whatever he had there, and then his home on Little St. James, he was running a a sex trafficking ring. And so what that entails is Ghislaine would recruit women, um, usually minors, obviously. Um, and it would, it would start out as, oh, well, Jeffrey will pay you for a massage. And then that massage would turn into um, sexual gratification of one form. And then that would progress into full-blown sex with minors. And he was always surrounded by young, beautiful women, like former President Donald Trump, had has publicly distanced himself from him obviously with this going on but back i want to say truly before like this was all really exposed uh, trump had made even a comment he's like he loves young beautiful women and so do i well there's a little bit of this it's just a little bit gross knowing what we know now because essentially it was all underage like all of power imbalance where the females and sometimes there were males involved as well. Um, it was a power imbalance. When somebody is this wealthy, this powerful and this much older than you, and you think you, they're, you know, they're promising you all this money and that this could change your life. You're not going to be making rational decisions. You're, you're too young. You don't have the, you don't have the ability. Right. So then essentially whenever uh, he, the thing with Epstein is he was charged at one time, and I want to say it was in – I have to get my flat facts stri- uh, straight on this. He was charged. They p- basically gave him a slap on the wrist, and then this most recent time that they – everything caught up with him, they knew he was, gonna, he was going down. There was no more covering for him. And part of the reason is, is they also revealed his flight logs – and like who was on his plane, who was going to the island. And let's just say there was a prolific number of prominent people. Um, the Clintons, uh, celebrities, Chrissy Teigen, she got into all this. And I think she like quit Twitter twice because of all the stuff surrounding this. So needless to say, it was exposing uh, a lot of powerful people. And for him... With that, when it became clear that there was no getting out of this one, I believe that people in powerful positions began to become afraid of what is he going to say and who is he going to throw under the bus to try to get a lower sentence. And with that being said, I just want to go over some details. So August 10th of 2019 is when he quote-unquote unalived himself. But there was a report back in May 20, on May 22nd of 2021 saying that the two prison guards that were supposed to be watching him that the, the night that he unalived, because if you're not familiar, uh, he was basically under suicide watch when he, I'm sorry, he was, 
he was basically under on a live watch where they were watching him around the clock to make sure he did not unalive himself. Well, <laughs> needless to say, these guards, um, let's get their names here real quick. Tova Noel and Michael Thomas were accused of sleeping and browsing the internet instead of making their required rounds every 30 minutes during the eight hour period of their shift. Epstein's cell was 15 feet from the guards when he unalived himself. They've come forward and they have, uh, because to, in order to avoid jail time, they are basically admitting that they falsified their records um, as far as like actually making their rounds and that they were basically not doing their job. Um, the, it sheds light onto the faulty the faults of the uh, federal prison system as a whole, but you can't tell me that there's not a coincidence because the day before that, August 9th, 2019, um, he, there was a civil suit and the files were unsealed. And once again, that was another thing that, and I know specifically Donald Trump was named in that as well. Not sit, not pointing the finger at anyone. I don't, I mean, I have my theory as to who did it, but I don't, you know, that's not what this is about. I think 100% the timeline of this and how big this case was, there's no way that he, there's no way that he just did this by, by himself. Right. I think that people in higher powers called the shots. I think that these guards 100% knew what was going to happen and they, they turned a blind eye and now they're, you know, they're magically getting out of serving any time for this failure on their part. Cause it is, I mean, that, that has to be a form of criminal negligence when, you know, he's literally on suicide watch when he's on, on a live watch and you let that happen. I mean, it doesn't anyway. Now, that's my on, theory. A, on a flip <sighs> And I'm not just on the about the guards part of it. If um, because I, I do, this is a theory that I do definitely agree. With. Um, what I had heard about it before, I was kind of not necessarily following it, but whatever anybody would explain a little bit to me, I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, as far as guards are concerned, if we are assuming that people who were involved in what happened are and as powerful as we're, like I said, uh, that is, we're assuming that they are, is it not also, um, what's the word I want? Good grief. You know, my vocabulary goes out the window when I'm sick. I cannot think of any. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it not reasonable? That's the, that's what I want it to also assume that, um, now, those guards might have evolved willfully, but could they not also have been blackmailed? That's, I'm, that's a good point. I'm pretty sure that at least one of the guards was handsomely rewarded for his negligence. Okay, Is or, that alleged, or where did you get that? I'm pretty sure that's alleged. I, I read it somewhere. I cannot remember where. It could have just been something made up on reddit that i could have seen it on <laughs> but i think i've read somewhere that they uh were funded 
into not doing their job right that night. So that's a theory, okay? Yes, that's a theory. I mean, and that that also kind of goes to a point with what I was getting at as well. Like, it could have been kind of one of those things where someone could have kind of leaned on him and been like, hey, if you do this the way we want you to, where you just ignore and don't do your job for this amount of time, you'll get this reward. But if you don't do it, then this will happen to you. To kind of incentivize it that much more. Possibly. Just just an idea from what you're telling me. That very well could be. Mm-hmm. All right, before we wrap up this, let's take a quick ad break and we'll be right back. So, yes, yeah, so that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. I feel like you guys are kind of on board with this one already. But my thing is, is this Epstein thing needs to be talked about and shouted from the hilltops um, till we get answers. And with Ghislaine Maxwell now, there's some movement in her case. We should be hearing about it. But I've been noticing that... And this is, again, probably another conspiracy. Whenever things happen in her case, if you don't specifically search that out and read it for yourself, there's always something else in the news. There's always, like, another story that's the top of the hour and what have you. I feel like they're yeah. trying to bury it. That That's Most a whole definitely. other conspiracy theory next time. Mm-hmm. And I'll be covering a little bit, I think, in my topic, too. Oh, please, I hope it's about... I'm excited for yours, because you've been hyping this up, so I can't wait anymore. Gordon, take it away. I'm excited about mine, because it it has to do with a documentary, and I wonder if you guys have heard of it. It's called The uh, Silent Children. No. No. Well, there's a reason why you haven't heard of it. That's because the, um, it was dropped. Like, they, they had this idea, they started filming and all that, but they dropped it. it got Who's dropped. they? The producers dropped it. And I'll oh. get to the reason why in a minute. Because what what this documentary was supposed to be about, it was supposed to out all the, all the names in child uh, sex, sexual predators towards children. This was going to give those, this documentary was going to give those children a voice and was going to out a lot of big names, supposedly. Um, and there were supposedly rumored to be four decently big names in the music industry backing this documentary, which. There's a promotional clip out there with, I believe it's pronounced Aviac. Um, here, what, one second. Um, Chester Bennington, Linkin Park singer. Okay. <laughs> um, Chris Cornell. And I believe Anthony Bourdain. Now, all of the, all four of those people I just mentioned have committed the unalive by hanging. Yeah. At least the last three have Avicii and one other, I believe. It was not, it has not yet, the family didn't want to admit to how the act of unalive happened. Now, Aviac or 
Tim, his as his real name was. He passed away, I believe, in twenty eighteen. I don't exactly remember the year. I thought I had it here. I uh, apparently didn't do enough research. But <clears throat> he, oh, oh, he supposedly committed unalive. And he was rumored to be a part of this documentary giving voices to children victim of probably the worst thing that could happen to children. And it's the same with it's the same with everyone else. Now, you can look up you can look up the Silent Children documentary and there'll be the first article you'll read is telling everyone that these three artists were not a part of it, that everything you hear is completely false and yeah, you I have, not believe it. I have the Rudders, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, article pulled up saying that it's not true, but you're saying that you have like evidence that it is? Now, it could have been, it could be a fake trailer, but a while back, whenever this documentary was taking place and was being produced, it, there was a promotional bit put out featuring those artists in promoting this documentary for people to come watch it because they, I'm sure anyone who knows music knows those bands. Mm-hmm. We have Avicii, Avia, or yeah, they're the same, and uh, Linkin Park, um, uh, Chris Cornell, who's the lead singer in Soundgarden, and then mm-hmm. later Audio Slave, mm-hmm. and then there's Anthony Bourdain, and everyone knows him. Like he's one of the most prominent celebrity chefs, or whatever you exactly. want to call it. And he apo- supposedly unalived himself in a hotel in France on June eighth of twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and it was ruled a hanging. So was. Chris Cornell, I believe it was ruled a hanging. Um, so was Chester Bennington, and, and I would presume if we hear anything more on Avicii, then it would also be ruled as a hanging. But all four of these people, uh, unfortunate circumstances were ruled to be hangings, which... Hmm. It's kind of weird because this, this documentary was going to put names into light like the Clintons and anyone else and would have toppled and given significant evidence. I believe uh, Anthony Bourdain was the one with who and uh, Chris Cornell were the two that were spearheading this and who had somehow amass this knowledge of all the names in Hollywood in polit- politics that when this documentary would have went out it would have toppled supposedly, allegedly the the entire hierarchy of power in those areas. Uh... And it, it's just funny that this I believe it was the death of Chris Cornell 
if I'm correct, um, that stopped production of this movie or documentary and had it canceled. And then systematically, the other three people that were supposedly a part of this documentary have all as well unalived themselves. And it's kind of, it's weird how, if you look up and read what the families say about their kids, I can say, because it's mainly the parents that put out these eulogies, they almost seem fake. And I hate to say that because (coughs) I'm sure that most of it is not in that they are truly hurt about what happened. But it's almost as if what they're saying is like already like formulated before the fact. Like someone said, hey, you're going to say this and make it seem like they are mentally unstable and didn't really want to be alive in the first place. Are you talking about the obituaries that were released? Yeah, I think that's it. Obituaries are the words that their their families have put out to kind of like explain some of why of what they thought happened. Like, I think I have an example somewhere here. At least I thought I did. Um, I do. It's just opened up in my uh, app here. Okay, here. So, this is uh, Avicii, or Tim, as his name is. One of the uh, little tidbits were, and I quote, We'd like to thank you for supporting and the love for your support and loving words about our brother and son. We are so grateful for everyone who loved Tim's music and have precious memories of his songs. Thank you for all the initiatives taken to honor Tim with public gatherings, church bells ringing out his music, tributes at Coachella, and a moment of silence around the world. We are grateful for the privacy during this difficult time our wish is that it continues that way. Would love the Tim Burling. Tim Burgle. I can't pronounce their last name, but Isn't would love Burling from his fam. There's no T. It's Burling. Like Berg, Berg, Burgling. I, I can't pronounce it. I'm not good with names. <laughs> and then there's a another one that I don't know when it was put out. Or sorry, April 26th is when it was put out of um, the year that he passed. Our beloved Tim was a seeker of fragile artistic soul searching for answers to existential questions and an overachieving perfectionist who traveled and worked hard at a pace that led to extreme stress. When he stopped touring, he wanted to find a balance in life to be happy and to be able to do what he loved most, music. He really struggled with thoughts about meaning, life, happiness. He could no longer go, he could not go on any longer. He wanted to find peace. Tim was not made for the business machine he found himself in. He was a sensitive guy who loved his fans but shunned the spotlight. Tim, you will forever be loved and sadly missed. The person you were in your music will keep your memory alive. Hmm. Those are obviously very heartfelt messages put out by his family. Mm-hmm. But they almost seem 
vague in a something feel really could have happened to him. Yeah, something feels a little off. I do agree with you on that. Because yeah. the more you read into, especially Avicii's um, story, is now I I know this kind of thing can happen to anyone, and it looks different for everyone. And I cannot say that I. And I do not look down on it, I should say, in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But when when I were, the when he first passed, I the news that was coming out, like he just released a new album shortly before, I think a year or two before this. And mm-hmm. he had hundreds of hours of music recorded written down and ready to release. He was on his way of releasing a new album at the time mm-hmm. that his family and friends of his in the industry put out. And that album is called Tim. And I would highly recommend anyone listen to it. It's a great, great album. Mm-hmm. But they went through and um, compiled an entire, I think it's like 13 song album of just recordings that he started for songs and then had other art artists help finish those songs in his memory. But in my head, and I know this isn't the right way to think of it, if, if you are still doing what you love, and I do imagine he loved to do it, or he wouldn't have stayed in it, maybe. I, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that with all, with all the music he had, just lying around and ready to put out into an album, I just don't find it feasible that he would have just unalived himself. I gotcha. And I know that's not how that how anyone with I don't know if I can say depression um, feels, and that it everyone's affected differently by it. Yeah. But in my mind, it just. Things that didn't doesn't make sense, and that's that with his passing is when I really started finding out about the Silent Children documentary and that, how it was canceled, and that these people were supposedly a part of it. Uh, yeah, there's no denying that, like, I mean, the the manners of death and like the possible connection to this film. I mean, it definitely it's enough to make you do at least a double take. Definitely. Excuse me. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. Um, I mean, speaking as someone more of the mental health side of it, I I don't it's likely that with the with the Avicii, what you the way that you're explaining it, I don't feel that it's likely that it would have had the it did for him if hold on sorry i'm trying to figure out how to say this and what words i can and can't use um i don't you know what steven just cut just cut this part out i'm just gonna leave it alone oh no it's i mean what do you are you trying to say like what i'm what i'm trying to say is without a um like necessarily a 
and like if he was doing stuff that he loved and was in like a, a place where he had stuff he was working towards without having something to set him off I find it very unlikely that he would have unalived himself yeah. just that, that's what I meant like speaking from the from the mental health side of it and my own experiences which like you said Gordon not like everybody doesn't have the own the the same experience with that with mm-hmm. but I don't think if that is what happened I feel like there should have been some sort of event or something necessarily have to be something big that would have set him off to do something like that if that's what happened so the way that you're explaining it to me makes it more like this theory is yeah 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 yeah. like something else would yeah no (sighs) just because we're running a little short on time I'll briefly go over uh uh, Chester Bennington, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Lincoln Park singer, for anyone who doesn't mm-hmm. know that name. Um, he was... He pulled an Epstein and um, unalived himself by uh, hanging the Christmas lights. And... I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have listened to his music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's without a doubt that his music, if you really listen to it, has definitely very not so subtle nods towards depression and his, his how he was feeling through most of his life, which he has quoted as saying that there was a point in his life where he was on meth doing acid and just on any hard drug imaginable Mm -hmm. to where he finally snapped out of that fact when his mother mentioned something to him and he finally got clean. Uh Now, why I think his unalive was, is a bit far, is a bit far-fetched in my mind is that he started, <clears throat> to the best of my knowledge, seeking help and approving upon his bad habits to the point where I don't think, with the thought process that I'm going through here, that he he did this in light of his mom saying, hey, I'm worried about you. I don't think that he would just go right out after doing all this for his own benefit for, for mostly for for her and everyone in his family that he would just go turn right around and off himself so to as as horrible as that is to say it like that you're saying I, that like the the situation would lead you to think that things were moving in a more positive direction that it's kind of odd that that was the turn of events essentially Exactly. Yeah, it, I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have thought after finding out that he was changing his ways mm-hmm. and trying to get clean, trying to be a healthy individual, that he would just immediately like 
I guess, regret doing that and just go, it's not worth it, and then do what yeah. happened. Which but I'm, then, yeah. Sorry. Then no. again, everyone, again, everyone deals with that kind of stuff differently. It could, the realization of what he's doing could have hit him, and something, something like that could have happened. Yeah. That hard. Was gonna say just to play a little bit of devil's advocate for you. Um, not that I'm saying I disagree with your theory at all. I think it's very interesting and very, very possible. But on the flip side of it, like you said, like when someone who's dealing with all of that starts to steps to work on getting better the realization of either what you have done to yourself or what you've gone through period can be enough to if you're doing to kind of make you hit another low and sometimes that low can feel more severe if you have been doing better mm-hmm and drive you to that mental point a lot faster than had you stayed at that low to be that probably sounds kind of horrible to say I don't know how else to put it um but like the the sudden the sudden drop in mood like going from like I said from improving and getting better to having like a day where you feel really really down it has a stronger impact than if you're having a lot of down days in a row, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And I never want to discredit the way people right, do right, right. that stuff. I, I right. definitely, like, that's not what this is about at all. It's not trying to discredit it at all. It's just... No, no, no. And that's not... weird. And that's not what I was trying to say. I, like I said, I'm just trying to play... Devil's Advocate advocate for you a little bit and give you more ideas to play off of I guess would be the way to put it yeah I and but I definitely understand where you're coming from because it it's enough to like I said like make you do a double take like is there more to this story that is not you know maybe we'll never know but it, ha- it has to make you wonder timeline wise and, and cause of death wise uh, it's it's odd yeah there's there's definitely there's definitely some unanswered questions there and i think that we're gonna find if like the more you dive into this the sex trafficking problem epidemic really and the powerful people that are involved in it that's a rabbit hole in and of itself and like that's what the epstein thing kind of opened my eyes to and so then, you know, when you have people that are of a similar playing field as far as like star power or whatever, however you want to quantify that, but they're taking the opposite route and trying to expose and, ex- and well, potentially allegedly trying to, you know, be a part of a project to expose this, it becomes almost like a game of chess. Like, okay, well, if this powerful person is going to expose it, and then there's more powerful people that don't want it out there or bad things going to happen. And that's kind of where I, I wonder sometimes. I don't know if that made sense. But... Yeah. No, I got I Yeah, I understand what you're trying to, trying to say there. Well, I uh, think that that probably does it for today's episode. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, yeah I, think... I feel good about it. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, for those of you listening, please leave us a comment. Tell us which one was your favorite theory. Uh, tell us uh, if you have any more information about some of the things we talked about. You know, we'd love to hear it. We appreciate any and all feedback. Um, we want to thank Anchor for uh, sponsoring this podcast. Without them, this would not be possible. And we will see you guys in the next one. Let's Be Nerds is hosted and executive produced by Gordon Bryant and me, Stephen J. McLean. Today's co-host was Lizette Ayala. You can find her on Instagram at xshadowsongx. Let's Be Nerds is a production of Speakeasily Productions. Our social media manager is Kylie Gregg. Our theme song was composed by Robert Van Jacobs. You can follow him on Instagram at Bobby underscore Spectre. To keep up with the latest about the show, follow us on Twitter at Let's the Letter B Nerds or join our Discord server, which will be linked in the description box below. Thank you to Anchor for sponsoring our show and thank you for listening. Thank <laughs> you.